Hallelujah. Let's pray. Amen. Father, the name of Jesus, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you the adoration. Thank you for gathering us in this place, in this fashion, and in this manner. We just want to say you are holy and there is no one like you. Thank you so much for a beautiful week. And thank you so much for this upcoming week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And I want us to labor on today or to talk on the subject here, yeah, broken but uh, believing. That's what I want us to talk about uh, today. Hallelujah. In case I forget the title, so it's broken but believing. So we are see seeing a family that is broken because their brother had departed, had passed on, hallelujah. So we are seeing Mary and Martha really weeping and um, yeah, breaking down really and, and so forth. And even the people who had come, it means this was a guy who was loved, hallelujah, and appreciated. And uh, people were broken, but we also see them in the midst of their broken hearts. They still had the capacity to believe in what Jesus can do in any moment. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So what we are trying to say to you this morning, your situation does not really, really, really matter. Have the capacity in any circumstance to still believe. In other words, don't give up on your God when things don't make sense in your life. I'll tell you why I'm saying when they don't make sense in your life. In this story, when you read from verse 1, all right, all the way to 17, you'll begin to realize that actually Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And already you go, you, you, it goes like this. If God really loves me, why does he allow this to happen? But also, if he really loves me, why was he late when I requested for him to come? Hallelujah. We are not talking about that, but I'm just trying to, 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 to explain something to you. But let me focus on what I want to discuss today. Hallelujah. I think there's 10 or 20 sermons that can come out of this scripture. And that I can just preach on one day, literally. Hallelujah. There's just too much, I think. There's just too much in the scripture. Hallelujah. It's so packed with detail. Hallelujah. Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle John is just an amazing servant of God, I think. There's so much detail, so much detail. He captured everything that we needed to know. Hallelujah. So now, where we read, I'll call it an episode. This episode concludes... The signs that John was talking about in the book of John. Shall I repeat that? So this portion of scripture concludes all the signs that the apostle John was talking about. In other words, it also concludes the first half of the book of John. In other words, you are going to see when you get into chapter 12 that suddenly everything changes. It's another, it's something else now. All along when we've been reading, we're seeing different signs. Every time there's this sign, hallelujah. But now from 12, things really get interesting and exciting, hallelujah. Now, but also since we've been talking about this, you'll see that this Apostle Paul, he's very detailed. Almost all the signs, all the, the miracles, they were associated with the feast one way or the other. So he captured that. 
Remember the last one that we spoke about really, it was just after the Feast of Booth. But now this one is just a couple of days before the Passover, less than a week before the Passover. Hallelujah. So in other words, after chapter 10, we run quickly to six months later. So we are now six months later. So if the last sermon we preached was in chapter 9, so we are now six months later. So you need to have that appreciation as you read this. Hallelujah. Amen. So the, blind, the guy who was blind was healed six months ago. Now we are here with another sign. And all these signs, really, when you look at them, they were all happening at a major feast. So the time of the Passover was just a couple of days away. Hallelujah. In other words, Jesus was now standing at the shadow of the cross. The cross was waiting for him. Because now this was going to be the last Passover he celebrates. Now we are seeing a 33-year-old Jesus. It's no longer the 30-year-old. It's three years later now. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? So, so the three years really ran very, very, very fast. And we are now here. And a few days are remaining. And we see our Lord and Savior right at the shadow of the cross. In other words, his earthly ministry was soon going to come to an end. Jesus was a couple of days away from his death on the cross. You need to have that appreciation. In other words, the purpose of God was calling him at this point. Destiny was calling him. I hope you are capturing that. Shall I repeat that? Destiny was calling. And I just want to say to you, if you read chapter 10, you'll have noticed that he was being rejected actually. Hence he was calling them thieves and so forth. They had rejected him. But we see in chapter 11, we see in this chapter, Despite the rejection in chapter 10, chapter 9, chapter 8, that things are changing now. That after this miracle, Jesus gets to be accepted by many. After this miracle, many people believed in him. In other words, he made many signs and wonders a few believe. But with this one, things suddenly change hallelujah in other words this is a beautiful chapter and i want to say glory was calling in this chapter in other words despite all the rejection this was the hour the moment of glory hallelujah and i want to say to you this book points towards the glory of christ rather chapter 11 points towards the glory of Christ in three ways, write it quickly. Firstly, it points towards his deity, showing us that he is God. Number two, it also shows his glory through the strengthening of the faith of the disciple. From this point, the disciple, their faith was really, really, really strengthened. Without any shadow of doubt, they knew now this is the man. This is the Messiah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But what I like is number three. This is 
something that points and leads to the cross. This is the miracle that led him to the cross. This is the miracle that made the people to be furious in terms of the, people, the religious people. They say this man must be stopped. In fact, one of the priests, he stood up and he prophesied and he said, actually, it will be better if one man dies for the whole nation. And the Bible says, we'll do the, the, the deal about that next week. And the Bible says, it says in, in the chapter 12, that it is, he was prophesying at that moment. That it was important that Jesus died. But it was this miracle that really pushed things to overdrive. Remember, at all these times, he was escaping and he was getting away from them. But after this one, they, they were determined to say, we are getting him this time. But remember, it was also time. The hour, it was at hand. He was not going to escape. He was not planning to escape. It was the right moment, the right time that he is going to die for the people. So all I'm trying to say, the Apostle John depicts to us that you know what before Jesus could rise from the dead we want to show you that he can raise dead people too glory to Jesus hallelujah amen. amen looks like I'm having several missed calls but I think you are going to warm up just now amen, amen. so now this is miracle number seven this is the seventh miracle I'm taking this approach today because I'm, I'm giving you facts and data. So I'm talking in a manner that you should be able to capture and make notes. Hallelujah. So that one day you, can, you are able to teach effectively as a child of God. Remember, my success as a pastor is you becoming a preacher too, one way or the other. Not necessarily behind the pupil. Wherever you are going, you are able to share the word of God with confidence. Hallelujah. Amen. And also I want you to be a believer, of course, but I have to train you for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. So you need to get the facts. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. So this was miracle number seven out of seven before the cross. Hallelujah. And we all know that seven speaks to completion, isn't it? Other people say perfection, but in the context of what we are discussing, seven speaks to completion. In other words, Jesus had just completed his mission in terms of signs and wonders. Nothing else was coming after this. Now it was the cross. In other words, this is a miracle that is a precursor to the cross. The ultimate one now. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And this means this miracle completes John's record of the signs that speak to Jesus being the Messiah and being the Son of God. And the book of John was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and is the Son of God. So at this point, if you have been reading with us the book of John, Without any shadow of doubt, you should be confident now with the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. In other words, if you have been reading all the signs, following everything, at this point now, 
you have all the data you need to prove to anyone that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. That is the whole gospel, by the way. That's the whole, that's the complete gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I want to say to you, this miracle is the crown of all miracles in Scripture and the gospel at large. I'm going to repeat because I think I missed you. I just said to you, the miracle that we read about here, Lazarus rising from the dead, it is at the crown. There is no other miracle like this one. In all Scripture, this miracle is more powerful than the turning of water into wine. Make, take note, take note there. Hallelujah. It's different from that one. This miracle is more powerful than the healing of the nobleman's son. This miracle is more powerful than the healing of the important man by the pool of Bethesda in chapter 5. It is more powerful, hallelujah, than the feeding of the 5,000 people with the loaves of bread from the boy and also the, uh, the, the, the fishes, hallelujah. It is more powerful than Jesus walking on water. It is even more powerful than the last miracle that we heard of in chapter 9 when he opened the eyes of a man who has born blind this is the crown of all miracles if you are to put them side by side you could say no but somebody can do this you could say somebody can make maybe turn water into wine maybe you can argue you could argue that somebody can walk on what you, you could argue with some of them but even though they were so miraculous but this one nobody has power over death i want to repeat jesus had power over death nobody has it and it makes it to the pinnacle of all miracles glory to jesus for instance, the first miracle that Jesus did as recorded by the Apostle John in John chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana, converting or turning water into wine. It speaks about the power of Jesus, I get it, to give life. Is that correct? It speaks about the power of Jesus to give life. But all of you now, you can claim you can give life, especially men. Hey. You see how big it is compared to the turning of water into wine. Oh, you hear me? However, this miracle number seven speaks to the power of Christ over death. So it's not just speaking about his ability to give life. But it shows us that he's more powerful than death. But look at how detailed the apostle Paul is. He opens up with a miracle that shows us that he's the giver of life. And he concludes with another miracle that says he's the only one that has power over death. 
Nobody is like Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. So the Apostle Paul curated all these beautiful signs to send a very strong message that there is no one, there is no other like Jesus. He's a man who can turn water into wine. He's a man who can walk on water. He's a man that can multiply bread. He's a man that can open blind eyes. But he has power over death. He says, in other words, if you can do all the other things I can do, at least you have no power over death. Therefore, Jesus is greater than all the prophets that have ever lived. And that is why we can't subscribe to religions that say Jesus is one of the prophets. And that's what makes that other religion to be false, comparing Jesus to their prophet. Jesus is greater than that. He's not one of the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. He's greater than the kings. He's greater than King David. Solomon in all his wisdom does not compare to Jesus. He is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. Amen. Hallelujah. Greatest of all time, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Footballers like that. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the only GOAT we know of. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ. Among those who have been born by a woman, no one is greater than John. But I'm here to say, John himself, he says, Jesus is greater than me. I am not qualified to even tie his shoes. And therefore, humbly so, he's bigger than the greatest politicians that has ever lived. And he's bigger than the religious leaders from the Middle East and in the East. He's bigger than all of them. He's greater than them. There is no one like him. And that is why when we praise God and we honor God, we can't say, God and this. It is only him. Only him. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to Jesus. In other words, they are not on the same level. He's bigger than it. Nobody. He's bigger. It's arrogance. It's arrogance to put Jesus on the same level as ancestors. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. He is our savior. There is no other like him. And nobody can tell us to be politically correct. I'm not that arrogant.
sing so beautiful. Hallelujah. Amen. You sound like angels, actually. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. In fact, this miracle is more monumental than two miracles that are not found in the book of John that I want to reference quickly for you because Jesus did raise two people besides Lazarus so Lazarus was number three but because it was not that monumental it was not that big hallelujah the Apostle Paul did not see a need to include these two references I'm about to give you because he chose the big things. These are people who, who look at the big picture but while paying attention to detail. That's a skill, by the way. Because people who look at detail, they tend to miss the big picture. And big picture people tend to miss the detail not with the Apostle Paul. And this tells us, indeed, scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because under normal circumstances, a human being on his own won't be this effective and skilled in conveying a simple message that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Glory to Jesus. So here it is. The miracle is even more monumental than the raising of the widow's only son in name. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 16. My Lord and Savior Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, there was this funeral procession they were going to bury somebody. He was in his coffin. But Jesus, when he showed up, he stopped the funeral procession and, and, and he commanded the dead boy to come back to life. But, but, but let me tell you another one. There's another one. There's another one. A chapter later in chapter 8 in the same book of Luke. Luke chapter 8 verse 40 to 56. Whereby Jesus was so obsessed and focused right in going to raise Jairus's daughter and there was a woman with the issue of blood that stopped Jesus that's another powerful scripture right there whereby a woman was losing life for many years 12 years she has been losing life but Jesus came and stopped the loss of life but at the very same time, the scripture tells us a daughter of Jairus was dying at home. And while the, this woman got a healing, that daughter died. But Jesus showed up and called her back to life. Now, here's the point. Why is this miracle of Lazarus greater than the two that I quoted just now? It's because the two instances they were not buried for four days they were just they had just died 
so we could debate and argue if we want to and say maybe they were not really dead or it was a, 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 a misdiagnosis, you know, they didn't read the pulse right. You understand, they had just fainted. But the story of Lazarus, he was surely, surely, surely dead. Four days in the tomb. And the body was already decomposing. The two were not decomposing. They had just died. So it is different. But some of you go like, but pastor, no, no, no. What about Elijah? Again, it was a fresh death. This is the only record of somebody who had been dead for four days in a tomb that has been raised. There's no story like that in the whole Bible. And therefore, in the whole Bible, there is no miracle that this one. This is the pinnacle of all miracles. This is the crown of all miracles. This is the miracle. Hallelujah. This is a monumental miracle. It stands right above there. Just below the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to capture this. And that is why after this one, everything changed. They wanted, they say now, everybody's going to follow this because everybody wants to associate with somebody who has power over death. Yeah, yeah. Look at how much we spend on medical aid because we want to live longer. We want to be healthy. So if you can just find somebody who does not just have power over sicknesses and disease, but somebody who has power over death itself, that's the man to go to. So they did not like that about Jesus. Hence they had to stop him. And hence after this, it was the cross for him. They went all out, but it was all strategic. And that is why the Lord did not perform this miracle as the first one. Because that will have led him to the cross prematurely. Timing from God is strategic. Our God is strategic. So I'm here to say to you, when things are not going according to plan in your life, don't worry. He knows what he's doing. They called him four days before and Jesus did not show up immediately because he did not want this one to be like the one of this lady in name. He didn't want this to be like Jairus' daughter's miracle. He wanted this one to be different. He said actually in chapter 11, I'm glad that we stayed here a little bit longer with me so that when I go to the other side and I do my thing, then you will know and you will know, you will know that this is the miracle. Because they told him when he died and he didn't show up. He decided to stay a little bit longer to make sure that indeed he is dead and he is dead and he's going to come up and raise him from the dead. So there are times whereby God will allow things to die in your life and to decompose and to decay. But at the right time, he will show up and raise it up. And now when God shows up, in your life when things have decomposed in your life you will never give credit to anyone but god so there are times there are times when god allows things to die completely in your life because he does he does not want to share 
his glory with no one. I just answered your question. Why God allowed certain things to die completely in your life. Because he doesn't want God in your life. So that when he does his thing, you can only say it can only be God. Only God can do that. And therefore, never lose hope, never lose faith when things are dying in your life. Keep on believing. At the right time, he will show up and raise them up, all of them. To his honor and to his glory. And everybody will be saying, it is only God. It is the hand of God. Look at what God has done in their lives. I now also believe because look at what God has done. Some of you, you are where you are today because of the things that died in your life. If it never died, you won't be here. Some of you, you have to allow the career to die for God to give you something greater. In other words, don't hold on on dying things. Mary and Martha say, they say, if you came on time, you would have prevented this, but you didn't. But he says, I know what I'm doing. I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I know my story. I know my story. I know my story. That's Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He'll bring it to life, whatever it is. Some of you, you were, you were doing the works of righteousness on your own. And God will allow you to fall and fall into sin so that he brings you back into life depending on Jesus. Because he doesn't want the works of self-righteousness. I now don't have strategies to give to people in terms of how to live a holy life. I don't know what to say because I don't know how I'm living a holy life too. I'm just realizing it is the hand of God. There was a time that will tell you avoid one, two, three. I, I, I realize they don't work. You avoid that and you still fall into sin. Until you allow all those things to die. And God says, now I will raise you. And I will allow you to live a life of holiness and righteousness fully depending on you. That's a missed call. Verse 39, if you want us to read together quickly. Jesus says, take away the stone, Martha. The, The... the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an order for he has been dead for four days. Decomposing, the members going away. I'm reminded of what happened in the book of Ezekiel. When he says, can you speak life to this tribal? And the prophet of God in the valley of dry bones spoke life into the best situation. This is what we are facing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I read that verse just to highlight the fact that the body was decomposing. It was done. It was finished. There was no more hope left that the man could come back. 
very important. But now, when you read verse 40, verse 40, I didn't write the verse, I just found it in the Bible, same Bible you read. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? That is the secret now. Only believe. The secret is, if you can just believe beyond all hope, when all hope is gone, and you remember the word of God, and continue to believe, he says, you will see the glory of God. Yeah, the king Uzziah died. I saw the glory of the Lord. Him sitting up. You see, sometimes for glory to show, death must happen. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't I tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory. In other words, the process that leads to glory, the process that leads to glory also requires God to work with ordinary people. Therefore, he wants them to believe. These women were just ordinary people. The people around her were ordinary people, but he says they must believe. There's a, there, it's a catch right there. He was about to perform a miracle, but he required the people around him to believe. That's a catch. Amen. There are times where God is about to do something in your life, but he wants you to believe. It means failure to believe. It might not happen. Amen. That's, that, that, that's a big miscall. In other words, if this woman and her sister and the people around did not believe, we, we won't be reading this story. Because he says, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So in other words, the belief was also necessary. As much you as powerful, he wants to work with us ordinary people. He wants to work with the ordinary people. Hallelujah. So what do you do? What do you do quickly? I'm giving you the meat to go home now. What do you do? Number one. Number one. Number one. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. That's number one now. That's what you need to do. Roll away the stone. I'll explain myself. Take away the stone. There's this stone standing between Jesus and Lazarus. It's standing in, the, in between Lazarus' destiny. It has to be taken away. But now, Jesus is not going to take away the stone. Uh, you just got it wrong there. You just missed it. You just missed it. Watch this. Jesus is about to raise somebody from the dead. He doesn't go and he rolls the stone away. He says they must do it. You know why? Because the action of rolling the stone is called faith. When you don't believe that he's going to rise from the dead, there's an order, you won't roll away the stone. You'll be disobedient. You only do it because you trust the person who's talking. You believe that he can still do something in the situation. So there are times that you must roll away the stumbling block in your life. But the problem with Christians, they don't want to be obedient when you're being told that this is the stumbling block in your life. This is the stone in your life. It needs to be rolled away before the miracle can happen. 
You have to take away that stone before the miracle. So you can come every week and say, it is coming, it is coming. God is going to do it. But until you move and you roll the stone away by yourself, it is not going to happen. Are we still together? In other words, write it quickly. Still under that point number one, we are running now. Miracles are preceded by faith and obedience. I've been saying this for all the time when I'm preaching on this book of John. Faith and obedience necessary. Because faith speaks to action. Your action tells us what you believe. A person who has no action is an unbeliever. You must have action. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. In fact, your action of not saying amen tells me that you don't believe. If you believe, can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Unless they had rolled away the stone, we won't be reading this story. I want to emphasize that this story won't be in the Bible. And he left the job to those who were broken. He says, I know that you are broken, but I want you to believe. With your broken spirit and your broken heart, roll away the stone and stop the pity party. Mm -hmm. Glory to Jesus. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and roll it away and do something about it. We know you are hurt. We know you are disappointed. We know, we know, we know that. But in the midst of your brokenness, you must do something. You must act out your faith. You must roll away the stone. They had to roll it away, despite the fact. They had to do it, despite their state of mind. They were not in a good state of mind. They were not. That's for another day. So they did it because they believed that Jesus can still make a blend. So now, the miracle is always in what we do after we have had the weight. Throughout the Old Testament, go and bake for me cakes first and give them to me to eat. And only after, go and borrow jars and pour oil into them. Only when you go and borrow. So there's that element whereby you have to obey. Until David puts the stone in the sling and then he throws it, the giant remains. So there's that action required and that obedience very important but now we want people who want us to just claim it and name it and to pray no action action is required and you must follow the precept of the word of god and act in line with the word of god and you'll begin to see miracles in your life even dead situations will come back to life glory to jesus number a or alphabet a for you don't fill your heart with problems, but fill your heart with the promises of the word of God. That's what you must do. We are closing now. Your heart must not be full of problems, must be full of the promises of God. B, never resign to the status quo of death, sin, misery, and poverty. Never accept that. 
Never accept sin as a norm in your life. Never accept misery as a norm in your life. Never accept poverty as a norm in your life. Poverty is not normative. You have to reject it with the aggression it deserves. Sin is not normal. You must reject sin with all the aggression you have. By the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, in the name of Jesus. A miserable life is unacceptable in the life of a believer. Reject misery in your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what you must accept. Glory to Jesus. And therefore, this is the kind of stone you need to roll away. The stone that you need to roll away is the stone of ignorance. Get rid of ignorance in your life. Take it away. Take away ignorance in your life. Ignorance is standing in between you and your next miracle. Ignorance. You're going like, I'm not writing my own things. You see, by saying he has been dead for four days, there's a stench already. He's decomposing. It's ignorance. Who's standing in front of you? Isn't he the Messiah? Isn't he who created the heavens and the earth? He is God. After all, if God is standing in front of you, are you going to give an excuse? In other words, giving excuses before God is called ignorance. Don't come and tell us. All this pity parties, Keep ignorance. Excuses are just ignorance. Isn't he God? Didn't he create the world by the word of his power? So won't he use this word of his power to bring Lazarus back to life? Won't he use the word of his power to give you a life of righteousness, a life of holiness? It just takes one word to make you a righteous person. You have to take it up. So you must roll away the stone of ignorance. That is number C, right? Number C. Roll away the stone of ignorance, prejudice and despair. Roll it away. It is your responsibility. God is not going to do it for you. He's not going to do it for you. Ignorance, prejudice, and despair. They are a problem that you need to deal with yourself. I've done my job as a messenger of God. Roll that stone away. Ignorance, deal with it and realize he is big. I lift up my eyes. Up unto the hills. What did Jesus do before he raised Jesus? He lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you. It's God. Don't be ignorant as a believer. Hallelujah. You must know that your God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. Hallelujah. If he did it for Lazarus, what about you? He can do it for you. But these things are not working for you because you think too much and with a limited brain capacity. Allow the word of God to be principal in your life and begin to realize that God will do the impossible. Realize that. Realize that. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. We are here to empower you and to teach.
take away this ignorance from you. I think I'm talking to somebody here. Ignorance. Because I did not plan to sit on this. There's somebody suffering with ignorance in the house, and God says, You need to turn around. You don't know how big I am as God. You are entertaining a lot of ideas and thoughts and challenging the word, challenging scriptures. And you now have people supporting your arguments on social media. It's all ignorance. He's big, eh? There's no one bigger than Jesus. Let's wrap it up. Then let's wrap it up. We believe in medical science. We believe that they do a great job. But there are times you must take matters into your hands and go to God directly because science won't help you. That said, have your medical aid, go see your doctor. But there are times whereby the professionals can help these matters now. I'm preaching to that person. After the experts have spoken, what is God saying? Run with what God is saying. Some of us will run with God, you see. After the experts have spoken, go like, I know. That's not my portion. I run with the word of God. Mm-hmm. All right, let me close, Bazarani. That's number two, which is the last point. It's very short. Remove the grave clothes. John 11:44. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him. Let him go." The second thing that God wants you to do is take off the grave clothing. The first one was remove ignorance, roll away the stone. Now he says to you, take off the grave clothes. But you're going like, what is he talking about? We have to realize that unless we remove and loosen the grave clothes, we can go to the next level. Now listen to this. It is the function of the church to set you free and remove the grave clothes of fear, doubt, and discouragement. God has never given you a spirit of fear. But on, on your own, you can't do it. So I'm challenging your thinking now. This thing that you can do church, at home, alone, it has never worked. There are certain things only the church can do. You can't unbind yourself. You can't break chains in your life by yourself. You can't take off. Now look, 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 look. The man was now raised from the dead. But somehow Jesus did not take off the clothing that the dead will be wearing. He did not take off the bandage on his head. In other words, as he came out of the dead, he was moving like... Huh? He was hobbling and hobbling and hobbling. In other words, he was not going to even make it to the, pre- to the entrance on his own unless somebody comes to the rescue. After you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you must deal with the stumbling blocks. All right? 
like I mentioned. But there are other things that the church must deal with, like fear. We must come and give you teachings that inspire faith so that we can deal with fear in your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because fear is what's binding other people. You can't go to the next level. You can't make the next move because you are afraid what they will do, what they will do unto me. One lady said in the conference where we came from the other day, I am afraid to do one, two, three because they will steal my idea. That is fear. She can't take the next step to get out of poverty because of fear. So what happens? A pastor or a man of God or the church must come now with the message of faith and challenge the fear. Hallelujah. So that the poor woman can take the next step. So that Lazarus can now move freely. So we have to unbind him. We have to loosen him so that he can go to the next level. So the church is there to help you go to the next level. Hallelujah. So no pastor is comfortable with members of the church who are not progressive. Our job is to help you go to the next level, is to help you make progress. And that is our vision, so that you can make progress. Hallelujah. And enjoy your faith. Hallelujah. So it is our function as a church to remove your great clothing of fear, but not only the doubt. Some of you, your problem, you doubt too much. Even when I'm preaching now, you are doubting me. Is he really a man of God? Our job is to deal with the doubt. And that is why God always prospers, prospers. Pastors are always progressing. Not because of anything, but to just take away doubt in your life. When you think it's over with them, and you suddenly see God blesses them, it's so that you stop doubting. Hallelujah. But not only that, discouragement it's a grave clothing. Only people who are not born again are discouraged. So when you are born again, you come to Jesus. You'll still have discouragement. So the job of the church is to help you deal with discouragement so that you can come in this, in this side of faith. Hallelujah. So it is normal when you're not born again to be discouraged. It is normal when you're not born again to have fear. Who hears what I'm trying to say? But once you are born again, we need to take away these things. You can't live your life the way you used to live before you came to Jesus. You used to doubt before you came to Jesus. When you are in Jesus, doubt must go. So that's our job, to deal with that. And that's why when you feel discouraged, the best thing you can do is to phone a servant of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that they can give you the antidote of fear, doubt, and discouragement. But the enemy will say, don't contact him. Don't contact her. Don't go to church. And guess what? You remain there in that situation. Some of the keys are given to the church. You can't do it for yourself. God is not going to do it either, by the way. For he has given the mandate to the church. There are certain things that God will never do. You have to do. 
And there are certain things that God will never do that only the church can do for you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. But you're going like, what is he saying? Don't you read your Bible? Don't you know Matthew 16? Don't you know verse 18 and 19? Don't you want me to read it for you maybe? To just show you that certain things only the church can do. It says in Matthew 16 verse 18 and 19. Or is it here? And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now listen to the mandate. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The church has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now here's the point. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. But it says, whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, what does it mean? When somebody is bound, it is the mandate of the church to loosen them. We loosen you. We set you free from the spirit of fear. We set you free from the spirit of doubt, the spirit of discouragement. It is our job to set you free from them. Because we are given the right and the mandate and the power. In this area, in Joburg North, we have the right, Runabo Pastor A and other pastors, to speak things in the spirit. Whatever we bind in Runbeck, it's bound here on earth and in the spiritual realm because we have the power as a church of Jesus Christ. That's the mandate that is given unto us because there are powers and principalities. You say you don't need the church. When you wake up in the morning, when you are going to school or going to work, I'm just here to tell you there are spirits that have been released already to go for you and to attack you. Witches have already done their thing. Powers, rulers and principalities, they've already spoken a word against you. Unless you have a church that is binding and standing in the gap on your behalf, you will have a terrible week. Things are spiritual in this life. Because some of you, you just look in the natural. As I'm preaching, there are people doing their things. There are demons assigned to the area. You can deal with that on your own. You need the church. You need the church to stand with you. For what we bind here on earth will be bound in the heavens. And what we lose here shall be loose. The truth is, it was not given to the individual. It was given to the church. Then individual can deal with certain matters. But there are certain matters that require the church. And that is why when we are here preaching like this, in this collective, there are certain things that were bothering you. As we are talking, you overcome them. As we are talking like this. But now, when you come to me in the streets, it doesn't happen. Because... It has to be in the church. For the church is the body of Jesus Christ. I therefore say, never reject his body. Become part of his body. Participate in the body of Jesus Christ. For there is power. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus.
There is power. There is power. So, I'm here to say to you, you can stop hobbling as a person. And you can be set free to go into your destiny. To go into that place you've been called to. You can too, but it's a true step away. There are things you must roll away by yourself, but there are things that the church must help you with. And therefore, there's personal responsibility, but there's also corporate responsibility. And therefore, a church that's not helping you to become what God has called you to be, it's not a place to be in it. If the church and the pastor is afraid to bind and to lose, I think you are not in a good space. In other words, motivational sermons, they are not good for you. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, we came with the gospel full of power and not the wisdom of men. Because we don't operate in the realm of the mind. We operate in the realm of the spirit. And I say with these few words today, may your life be turned around. What he did for Lazarus, he can also do in your life. Amen. Let's stand up.